If you would, join me today in your Bibles to the book of Mark, Mark chapter number 8, if you would please. We continue our, our series of sermons in the book of Mark. We've been here for I don't know how long, and we're only about halfway through and having a good time doing it. I hope you remember somewhat about what we talked about last week and so forth and so on, the blindness of the people there. I read for you verse 27 today for your learning. Take your Bible to the book of Mark, chapter number 8 and verse 27. And uh, we'd like to welcome all of you who joined us by radio and uh, live stream, wherever you are. If you're our members watching on live stream and are healthy and you could come to church, I hope your computer blows up. (laughs) Just in Christian love, of course. (laughs) Amen. But now if you're at home and sick, I hope you get better. The Bible says, and Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked the disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? Life's ultimate question Who is Jesus? As he walked with the disciples, a few places could not be more significant than the cities of Caesarea Philippi. As he walked along the way there, I'm sure his disciples was following him. And as he walked down the Road. He was silhouetted against the city in all of its Roman glory. Rising out of the center of that city is a huge white marble temple built in honor of the Caesars of Rome. As our Lord walked down the road there with the disciples... In a city that was named to honor the Caesars, renamed by Herod Philip to Caesarea Philippi to honor the Caesars and to keep his name in the legacy of all Rome. In the shadow of the temples of the god Baal, And the fertility Greek god Pan. I'm sure as Jesus walked down the highway there. He must have been conscious of all those thousands of babies. That God's people has laid on the altar of Baal. In the outstretched arms of that heathen god. Trying to worship in a religious way as their little babies fried and rolled into the belly of that hot furnace God called Baal. And along the hillside strode there was caverns and caves with idols set among them. 
And I don't know of a more pertinent, adequate place that as Jesus walked along with his disciples uh, in the light of the huge temple honoring the Caesars who proclaimed themselves to be God in the midst of idolatry and brutality and heathenism. Just off the cuff, Jesus turns and says to his disciples, Whom do men say that I am? Some says that Caesar should be the God to worship. Others have proved that they believe that Baal was the God to satisfy and to worship. Isn't it fitting that in the setting that Jesus would turn to his disciples and ask life's ultimate question, whom do people say that I am? In the midst of America's religiosity, idolatry, materialism, heathenism, paganism, as we worship in our beautiful temples and our beautiful buildings and our magnificent Ephesus, is the question pertinent to us today, whom do men say that I am? You could turn to your neighbor there, but I don't want you to. And you could ask the question, who do you say that Jesus is? But the question is, who is he to you? Is he your ever waiting servant to come at your beckoning call when you need him? When you have a check that didn't sufficiently go through. And they knock on your door and say, I'm turning your water off. Or maybe the doctor says it's malignant. Or maybe a wayward child says, I can't stand your guts, daddy, I'm leaving. Or the wife looks at you and says, you know, I used to love you, but I don't love you anymore. Or you get the very unwanted message that there's another one involved. Is that the only time Jesus is God? I wonder if something else comes up on Sunday. Would we have to ask you, who is he to you? And then that said in verse 28, and they answered John the Baptist. And some say Elias and others, one of the prophets. Verse 29, and he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Peter answered and said unto him, thou art the Christ. He charged them that they should tell no man of him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. 
be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Two verses ago, Peter said, you're God. Now he's saying, you don't know what you're talking about. How long does it take you and I to go from he is God to him having the will of in our life? And we say, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, the fickleness of God's people. When he had turned about, he looked on his disciples and he rebuked Peter. Saying, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. What a wonderful text. I wish I fully understood the text. I wish I could expound it in such a matter in which we would realize today that it's just not another text. It's God's text for us today. For some reason or another, God wanted us to hear this message. Let me ask you something. When you hear the name of Jesus, what thoughts enter your mind? When you hear the, the name of Jesus, what thoughts enter your mind? The purpose for advertisement, experts say, and regardless of the source, whether it's television or or the newspaper or uh, tell anybody, is not for you to go out right at that moment and buy their product. It's meant to get us to associate the product with an idea. So that when we need the product, name, brand, identification, automatically comes up. Advertising does not change much. I don't know if you've watched the Mitsubishi commercials about their car. Uh, It's always the same. It makes no difference. They drive a Mitsubishi car. They are always four people in the car. Why not five? Because it looks cramped. Why not two? The back seat's not comfortable. Four in the car. They're always young folks. Nobody so wants to buy a car they can't pronounce. <laughs> they're always looking like they're going to a party. They're happy. They're not going to church. Party. They're always listening to music. And act as though 
They're almost in heaven. From year to year, they change cars. They change people in the cars. They change the music that they're playing. But otherwise, the commercial is the same. It's not to make you want to go out and sell your Ford and buy a Mitsubishi or whatever it is. It's to brand an idea in your mind that when you need a car, their car comes to mind. They know you're not going to run right out and buy it. It's brand name. It's to produce a mindset in us that when we need that, We always think of their brand. Now, when I say Jesus, what thoughts enter your mind? Have you ever been faced with a difficult question? Like, may I see your fishing license? (laughs) I was hunting in a large coon hunt one night, and and they kept a plane, kept flying overhead. I I thought maybe they thought I was CIA or something. I won the hunt, and I was so happy walking down the railroad track, leading my dog. Got back to the truck, and we had some visitors. And the man said, may I see your license? I said, you could if I had one. (laughs) And he wrote me a reminder that I did not answer the question correctly. (laughs) Have you ever heard this? Do you know why I stopped you? (laughs) Just act ignorant. He already knows what he's going to charge you with. Don't give him any more thunder. (laughs) Say, yes, you stopped me because my wife and I were fighting and my hand wasn't on the wheel. That wasn't why he stopped you. Shut up and listen And when he says, have a good day, under your breath, say, let's go on. (laughs) Questions like, will you marry me? Questions. Are you saved? Questions. Sometimes questions are not to belittle us. Or to see how ignorant we are. But questions sometimes is to stir our minds. Provoke a thought, if you please. And Jesus, in the light of all his surroundings, of his 
religiosity, of his idolatry, of, of actually maimed and, 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 and sacrificed babies. Jesus turned to his disciples not to see how smart they are, not to see how ignorant they are, but to teach them something. And to teach them something, he asked them a question to get their mind ignited, if you please. And he says, whom do men say that I am? Well, that's an easy question because it is not pertinent to them. So the answer in verse 27 and 29, look at this as he, as they answered the question. And in verse number 27, Jesus asked them the question. Verse 28, they begin to answer and the Bible says, and they answered, John the Baptist. People are talking now. They're wondering who this water walking fellow is. They're wondering who this fellow is that can take just a few fish and a few loaves of bread and multiply it and feed thousands, if you please. And uh, he's the healer of diseases, the opening of deaf ears, the loosening of, of, of dumb tongues. And, and uh, who is this guy? And around the country now, they're saying, this just got to be John the Baptist raised from the dead. Others, Elias, Elijah. Elijah was a miracle worker. Elijah raised the dead. Elijah multiplied the oil. Elijah, the miracle, the, all the miracles that he's doing, they're saying, Lord, that you are John the Baptist raised from the dead. Elijah, the miracle worker. Or some say, you're one of the prophets. As Matthew said, Jeremiah. People are saying that that's who you are. You see, (laughs) Jesus did not ask them the question, To necessarily condemn them. And Jesus knew what they believed to begin with. But they didn't know what they believed. Peter said, thou art the Christ. Matthew goes on and says, the son of the living God. And then two verses later, he says, God, you don't know what you're doing. Jesus knows what we believe. Jesus is very aware of what we believe. And I wonder today if we could answer whom do men say that I am? Everybody has their idea of Jesus. Uh, Have you ever thought about the Jesus of the Mormons? Every religion, every denomination, they got their Jesus. Have you, have you given much thought about the Jesus of the Jehovah's Witnesses? Everybody has it. Have you ever thought about the Jesus of the Muslims? Everybody has a Jesus. 
Have you ever thought about the Jesus of David Koresh? Jim Jones. All of them's got their Jesus. But like Deuteronomy says, their rock is not our rock. And their Jesus is not our Jesus. So, whom do men say that I am? Better yet, who do you say he is? You know, in verse 28, and men say all kinds of things. You know, the Encyclopedia Bacana, Bacana came and say the Encyclopedia today. Got to quit taking this dope before I preach. Of all the religious leaders and all the political leaders of all history, there is more time, space, and words given to Jesus than any other in the Encyclopedia Botanica. 20,000 plus words in the Encyclopedia to describe who men say he is. Who is Jesus? A Harlem Globetrotter basketball player said, I've never been in a country where players respond to a missed shot by cussing Confucius or Buddha. The only name I've ever heard taken in vain is Jesus. Who is Jesus? Some ponder the question. Did Jesus really exist? Only extreme skeptics doubt his existence. Early, early Jewish historians and Roman sources, such as Talus and Tychasus and Finney and Josephus, all of them say between A.D. and 52 and 120, there was a Jesus of Nazareth. Who is Jesus? Who do men say he is? Some felt he was insane. Some felt he was a heretic. One has said, he's either a heretic and a madman to say what he has said, or else he has to be God. Who is Jesus? You might ask. Some felt he was insane. Even in his day, his disciples said, go get him. He's beside himself. He's out of his mind. Who is Jesus? Who men say he is? Matthew 16 and 16. You need to remember this. Peter said, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. Who do men say he is? Good question, don't you think? Ask a Mormon who he is. And a Mormon will say, he's a mere man. He lived in a spirit world before creation. And he was God's first creation. 
And he is not God, he is man, and just getting better all the time. And one of these days, he'll be God, like all of us will be. Whom do men say that I am? You say, well, those are good folks. Yes. Good folks go to hell. You got the wrong idea of who this guy is. You got a problem. The Bible says that Jesus asked him the question. And then if you look at the text real close in verse 31, you need to see this. You'll see who Jesus said he was. I think that's a pretty good deal, don't you? Who did Jesus say he was? Notice what he said in verse 31. In verse 31, he said, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes, be killed, and after three days, rise again. Suffer many things. According to Isaiah 53, he is the suffering servant. Bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. And Isaiah presents our Lord in Isaiah 53 as the suffering servant. And Jesus says, I must suffer many things. Must, must, not maybe, not perhaps must suffer many things to fulfill Isaiah 53. I must be a suffering servant. Calvary is in view. Hanging on a cross is in view. Crown of thorns is in view. Pierced side is in view. Stripes across my back is in view. I'll tell you who I am. I am Isaiah's suffering servant. Not only am I Isaiah's suffering servant, notice if you would please. And the Bible says, and must be rejected of the elders, of the chief priest, and of the scribes, and be killed. I don't know if you know this or not, but Isaiah said he was rejected of men. God, creator. Rejected. The Bible says despised and rejected. Well, I wouldn't do that. Well, if you're not saved and you leave here today without being saved, you are a rejecter of God's infinite love and perfect grace. And wonderful peace. He said I'll tell you who I am. I am he that must suffer many things. And be rejected and killed. Psalms 22. Isaiah 53. And if you please. The Bible said that Jesus is the crucified shepherd. Jesus said I am the good shepherd. And a good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. Jesus tell you. I'll tell you who I am. I'm the suffering servant. 
Are you with me? I am the rejected Savior. I am the crucified shepherd. And the Bible said, and in three days raised again. I am the raised sovereign. Hallelujah, bless God. Jesus knew who he was. He knew what he was talking about. Jesus knew exactly what he was. In John chapter 1, he's called God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, if you please. In Matthew 16, 16, Peter says, he is Christ. The son of the living God. In John chapter 5 and verse 23, it says that I am worthy of all worship. And Jesus looking at his disciples said, you need to honor me just like you honor the father. Because me and the father are one. Jesus had no doubt who he was. He was not asking a bunch of disciples uh, who he was. He was asking them who they thought he was. What thought enters your mind when you think of Jesus? Do you think about the miracle? Do you think about the fish? you think about the bread? What do you think of when you think about Jesus? Jesus knew he was. He knew he was the immutable God. In Hebrews chapter 13, the Bible said Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and for Thank God he does not change. Thank God men's theories and men's ideas does not change him. I'm glad that Jesus said, I'm the one that has the right to forgive sins. When he looked at the woman that was sinning and he said to her, Ma'am, lady, thy sins be forgiven thee. He did that to me 46 years ago in my living room. He said, Gene, your sins are all gone. Jesus knew who he was. He knew exactly who he was. He knew who men said he was. He knew who he says he was. The last question I'd like to close. Who do you say he is? Who is Jesus to you? Kind of like a spare tire around the house. You only call on him when you need him. In accident or sickness. In calamity. You know, some spare tires have a key to get them out. Can't even get the spare towel out of my truck. If I had a flat, I'd have to call on Jesus, that's for sure, because I wouldn't know how to get the dumb thing out of the car. I'd need a hacksaw and dynamite just to get my spare tire loose. Do we treat him kind of like a spare tire? Do you, who do you say he is? The Bible says that if thou confess with thy mouth, it's important to Jesus who you say he is. With a mouth, confession is made unto salvation. When I mention the name Jesus, 
what thoughts enter your mind. Interesting, isn't it? Your answer determines your future. Think of that. Your answer determines your happiness. Your answer determines your peace. Paul said, grace and peace be unto you. Do you have peace? Even when the storms are rolling and the winds are blowing in the emergency ward at home in front of your TV, are you looking for something that you don't have? Preacher, you're talking to Christians. Who do you think Jesus was talking to? Peter, who am I? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, Peter, let's you and I recognize something right now. You think that I'm the Messiah coming on the scene to alleviate Rome's bondage to the Jew. I am the Messiah, the son of David, who's going to reign on the throne. But now, Peter, let me tell you something in verse 31. I must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the priest and the scribes and be killed and the third day rise again. Peter says to Jesus, whoa, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for a crown. Not a cross. We're expecting a king. Not a crucified savior. Peter really didn't know what he's talking about. Just like a lot of us. Peter had the right answer. But he had the wrong answer. Peter was looking for one thing, and Christ came to give him another. Peter thought they had one need, but Jesus knew they had another need. Peter's name, need, was not political. Peter's need was not deliverance from Rome and its bondage. Peter's need was salvation and deliverance from Satan 
not Caesar. I wonder, in closing, how many of us has the right Jesus? Who do men say he is? I wish I had time. But someone has said to the artist, Jesus is one altogether lovely. To the architect, he's the chief cornerstone. Through the astronomer, he is the son of righteousness, raising with healing in his wings. To the baker, he's the bread of life. To the banker, he's the hidden treasure. To the biologist, he is the life. To the carpenter, he's the sure foundation. To the doctor, he's the great physician. Are you glad of that? I go to the doctor and the doctor says, I think what you have is an unusual strand of virus that we have not discovered what it is. Please pay the receptionist. (laughs) And then I go home and call upon the great physician. To the educator, he is the great teacher. To the farmer, he's the sower and the Lord of the harvest. To the florist, he's the lily of the valley. To the geologist, he is the rock of ages. To the horticulturist, he's the true vine. To the judge, he's the righteous one. To the juror, he's the true witness. Jesus said, who do you say I am? Everybody's got an idea. To the editor, he's the good tidings of great joy. To the philosopher, he's the wisdom. To the printer, he's the true type. To the servant, he's the good master. To the student, he's the incarnate truth. And to the toiler, he's the giver of rest. My closing statement. It's not up there because I don't think. Here it is. Satan knows who he is. And any time anybody gets close enough to God to do God's will. Like Peter. It only takes two verses for him to show up. 
regardless who you are, I don't care who you are, if you try to do what God wants you to do, Satan will show up. Notice the Bible says that Peter rebuked Jesus in your Bible. Careful now. Peter rebuked Jesus. Then the Bible said Jesus turning said to Satan, get behind me. He wasn't talking to Peter. He's talking to the real dude, buddy. The real dude was there. Trying to confuse, befuddle, and frustrate and discourage God's kids. And Jesus said to the devil, you get behind me. Because you don't care one thing about me or my will. All you do is savor the things of man. In a minute, we're going to give an invitation. The devil's not welcome, but he'll be here. And something in your heart will say, do what God wants you to do. And there'll be another somebody speaking to your heart saying, you loser, you stinking no good bum, don't you do what he says. It's the same guy that showed up when Peter was asked the question, who do you say I am? When I close my Bible, you know I'm done. The question is today, who is he to you? He wants to be your Savior. If you choose not, then he will be your judge. Dr. D.M. Stearns was preaching in Philadelphia and at the close of the service, a stranger came by to him and said, I don't like the way that you spoke about the cross and about hell and about heaven. I think that instead of emphasizing the death of Christ, it would be far better to preach Jesus, the teacher, the example. And Dr. Stearns replied, if I presented Christ to you, as a teacher, as an example, would you be willing to follow him? The critic said, certainly I would. Dr. Stern said, then let's take the first step. Jesus did no sin. Can you claim that for yourself? The critic said, of course not. All of us have sinned. Dr. Stearns replied, then your greatest need is to have a savior, not an example. Have you sinned? You don't need an example. What you need is a savior. And Jesus says, come unto me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, 
and my burden is light.